250 for a highball and a buck and a half for a beer. You are stumbling in to the Taken All Wrong podcast. I am JD. He is Jeff Rick. How are you doing this evening, sir? Doing well, JD. I'm doing well yourself. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. We had a week off last week from Gopher football, and I'm just curious with uh, a week to uh, digest. Um, uh, uh, not having to prepare to uh, to watch the Gophers, um, but just a week to sort of let things settle in after the Maryland game and also a week to get a chance to watch a little bit of uh, the rest of the Big Ten play. How you feeling? Uh, how you feeling about this Gopher team right now? I think good to get the bye week to kind of take a step back, not have to really think about it, watch some other football and do some other things in the way um it's you know it's let's let's hope the coaches took the two weeks to figure some things out we saw a lot of issues in that maryland game um so we'll see what it looks like going forward i think it could potentially be a tough couple of weeks coming up here with our matchups but um if you watch some of the other big 10 games boy after this stretch here where we have iowa and ohio state um it's it's five we thought again we're beginning of the year winnable games and i think they still are um against some you know a, a stretch of teams not to say they will win but just to say that uh the season's not over minnesota's got a chance to do a lot of things here coming up um and we'll we'll have a chance but uh yeah i i'm still feeling good about getting bowl eligible despite how bad uh, the gophers looked against maryland let's let's summarize it with that yeah no i think that's a that's a good point you know the old uh the old saying or the old uh, traditional wisdom is you're probably not as bad uh, as you thought you were in any loss, and you're probably not as good as you thought you were in any win. Um, you know, obviously the Gophers being 3-1, and one, we saw some good things through that non-conference schedule. We saw some really bad things against Maryland, and, um, you know, I think Frothy said it when he was on last week, and, and I agree with it completely. Uh, I just don't think that this team is as bad as they showed against Maryland, and I don't know what the reasons for that exactly were. Um, obviously, that's uh, that's why the coaches are paid the big bucks to try to figure that out, but you've got a combination of seeing a completely different kind of offense than we saw against any other team. Uh, super young players that are in their first uh, road trip, so having to, to deal with the logistics of that, losing uh, your... If not your best, maybe your most important uh, defensive player in Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, and then so, and then you know how the team may have been affected by the death of Nick Connolly um, just a couple of days before that game. A, a guy who was close with a lot of players on this team. So um, you know, I, I, I'm excited for the rest of the season. I'm with you. I think these next couple of games are, are going to be very difficult for a young team that uh, maybe is going to have some difficulty um, bringing some offense to the table. But one of the things that we, we chatted about last week was just sort of not jumping off the bandwagon. And, and you know, one game doesn't make a season. It certainly doesn't make uh, a coaching tenure by any means. And um, I thought it was interesting today um, in his press conference, Coach Fleck was asked about um, basically longevity of coaches, Uh facing Kirk Ferentz this week, um, 20 years at, at Iowa. And the question was posed, will another coach reach 20 years at a single school like Kirk Ferentz? And 
Fleck's response was basically, I hope so. And and uh, without saying, I hope so, and I hope it's me here at Minnesota, he brought forward a stat which um, is jarring for Gopher fans, um, but also I think tells a, a really significant story which he sort of went into in that press conference, which, which was, look, you look at Iowa, coach for 20 years, you look at Wisconsin, who has had a few different coaches, but the culture has always been the same ever since Barry Alvarez has been there starting as coach and now as uh, athletic director. And in the last 15 years, the Gophers against our two chief rivals, Wisconsin and Iowa, have gone 4-27. and So in 31 tries against those two schools, we've managed to win four games. And his point was that the reason is because there's been no stability here. There's been a lot of turnover. Um, and, and certainly, uh, I think that that plays a lot into what has happened, um, whether we've had the right coaches or the wrong coaches or whatever you happen to believe. The fact is, there has been a lot of change over the last 15, 20 years of gopher football when it comes to coaches. And that's no way to build a program, especially when you're competing against your chief rivals who have done exactly that and just sort of continue to build that culture um, from the inside. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on that um, and, and just sort of, you know, facing these two teams and these are sort of, these teams are the litmus test for where the Gophers are or where they should be. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that and just maybe in the face of what college football is now, do you think it's realistic that we could see somebody like a PJ Fleck stick around for 20 years and actually build a culture? No, I, I mean, it's not to say I don't hope Fleck is around here a long time, but I just, I think it's really, really difficult to do when you don't, you really don't see it almost anywhere where you've got a one coach there that long. Um, it's tougher where I think coaches maybe get burned out a little bit at the same place. I mean, we saw it, I'm thinking like Jimbo Fisher at Florida State where he won a national title, but it, he and the school got so sick of each other and all the winning that he ended up, you know, flipping schools for it. They were fine having, you know, a, a national championship coach go out the door to get, to get somebody else. Um, and Ference has had his share of ups and downs, and maybe I was just comfortable with what he can bring and the potential he gives and, and you know, maybe the ceiling that he has or doesn't have with it. Um, it, we talk about our, our neighbors to the east, uh, you know, who started their football program, I believe, in 1990, as the legend goes. They've somehow been able to, despite having, what, three or four different coaches since Barry Alvarez, to kind of keep that really the same system, the same idea, the same philosophies over and over and over. And you see the success they have with it now. Um is just that they've been able to, from coach to coach, to replicate the same stuff that Alvarez put in and that culture has stayed, and really that's not easy to do. You see it at some some of the bigger schools where they lose a, you know, they lose a coach, and you know, I'm thinking you know, Michigan, since Lloyd Carr left, right, they, they decided Lloyd that wasn't good, that only winning Big Ten titles wasn't good enough, uh, and they're still fighting to get back to where he was at. Nebraska once, uh, I mean, obviously with Osborne retiring, but... Um, of course, Frank Solich won nine games, averaged nine or ten a year, and that wasn't good enough. They're still trying to get back. It's it's a difficult thing to to do and maintain, I think, in, in today's college football. But 
Um, and, you know, hard to say how long P.J. Flex wants to be here if he's able to succeed and do it, but I, I hope he's here a long time. But I do think it's an interesting comment, and he makes a good point about the continuity uh, continuity of it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think college football is very different now than it was 15 years ago. You know, you've got a situation now in college football where, if you're a hot coach and you go out and turn a program around in one or two years or in one year and, and, and just turn things around very quickly, you're going to get picked off by one of the bigger programs, right? And, you know, we saw that's exactly how Scott Frost ended up at Nebraska. Heck, it's how P.J. Fleck ended up at Minnesota. And, you know, so, so you don't just have to worry about uh, a school and a fan base giving a guy – giving a coach time to build his culture and instill what what you want to do and then hoping that winning kind of builds from that. You also have to worry about just other schools with more money, with more facilities, with glitzier names. You, you also have to worry about them coming along and picking off a guy like P.J. Fleck. And there's a lot of reasons that people think that, that Fleck might not be attractive to some of those programs because of, um, you know, his, uh, for lack of a better term, rah-rah nature. And, and I get that. But at the end of the day, the big programs, the Power 5 programs are here to win. And uh, if, a, if, a, if a school thinks that they can do that with P.J. Fleck and they have a chance to get him, um, they're going to go, they're going to try to get him. So um, I just thought it was really interesting. First of all, that, that, uh, that stat of four and twenty-seven over the last fifteen years against Wisconsin and Iowa um, was obviously a, a complete punch in the gut. Um, but uh, but just to uh, to talk about the the differences, um, you know, will there ever be instability at Iowa and Wisconsin? It certainly doesn't feel like it, but uh, but certainly uh, things change uh, all the time in college football. So we'll see. Well, um, speaking of rivalries, uh, we do have uh, another rivalry uh, game coming up here in another week. We're going to come right back on Taking All Wrong and talk with uh, somebody who represents that uh, fan-driven trophy. Uh, talk about the the $5 Bits of Broken Chair charity and uh, what you can do to help out. You are listening to Taking All Wrong. <laughs> Welcome back to Taking All Wrong. We are super excited, obviously, that the Gophers will have their first rivalry game of the year this week, obviously, against Iowa fighting for the Floyd of Rosedale trophy. But there is a, another uh, rivalry trophy that is on the line, and uh, we need to start thinking about it now. I am joined by a shadowy figure. Uh, Stepper, how are you doing today? JD, thank you very much for having me on. We've got some exciting stuff to talk about. Absolutely. So we are uh, we have brought Stepper on today because we want to talk about the five dollar bits of broken uh, chair trophy, which uh, lives on in the Gopher lore and uh, with all of us fans. Um, Stepper, I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast already 
know the story, but can you give us kind of a quick history of the $5 bits of broken chair? Yeah, absolutely. So it started in 2014. Uh, it was between Goldie and uh, a member of the Nebraska fan base that was Faux Polini. I'm sure many of you follow on Twitter. Good follow. Um and they kind of came up with this bet on the outcome of the game. Now that we've got Nebraska in the Big Ten, we got to start building these rivalries up. And uh, came up came up with the the five dollar best broken chair trophy that Goldie then built and brought with him to Lincoln. And so we won it down there for the first time they ever had it. It was on the field. Peter Mortel was carrying it around over his head. It was a good time. Came back up here. They won it from us the next year. The mascots handed it off. There were pictures of Mike Riley with it in their locker room. They had a they had it featured at a fan fest so their fans could take pictures with it. And then it just sort of disappeared after that. So they won again the next year, but the trophy was nowhere to be seen. We won the next year, this was, which was last year, and the trophy was back. So I'm a member of a eight-person team that consists of five Husker fans and three Gopher fans. And two industrious members of, the, of Husker Nation built the replica last year, and uh, a couple of us noticed on Twitter and we formed a team and decided that if the schools weren't going to acknowledge the trophy it could just be a fan trophy and uh, who's going to say no if we turn the chair trophy into a charity trophy so now uh, what we do is raise money between both fan bases uh, to try to support organizations that are close to each football team so in Nebraska we've got the Team Jack Foundation that honors Jack Hoffman who is a big Husker fan uh, go on YouTube for his 2013 touchdown run at their spring game, won an SB that year. Um, and then they help uh, pediatric, they're a pediatric brain cancer foundation, and they've raised a ton of money down there for that, so Nebraskans are doing a great job down there. Up here, we already know that our football team is very close to the U of M Masonic Children's Hospital, so we've decided that all the money that we raise, instead of having it be a competition where the winner gets the funds, we just split it down the middle every year. And last year... Thanks to some significant generosity from a lot of the fans, even though this was basically a word-of-mouth trophy and many of the donations were a fitting $5 um, at a time, we made $7,300 that was split between both of those organizations through online and in-person donations. So we're back this year. We've upped our goal from the 5000 that we blew out of the water last year. We've upped our goal to 10000 and uh, we'll see what we can do by game week. That's awesome, and I didn't even—I uh, didn't realize that most of the donations were five dollars. So that—that that is fitting. Um, one piece of uh, trivia, maybe you can um, uh, confirm for me: Is it true that the team that has lost the five-dollar bits of broken chair trophy has gone on to then fire their coach at the end of that season every year? Uh, either through firing or attrition, yeah. Uh, Bo Pelini did not make it out of Lincoln the year that we won, and then we had the the Kill Clays situation, so Kill left kind of through medical reasons more than anything else, and then Clays the following year, and then we won last year, and here's Scott Frost. So it's uh, Fleck versus Frost. I think both schools have a lot invested in both of these coaches, so it would be in the best interest of both fan bases to donate as much goodwill money as they can because we got to get some, some good juju back on this trophy. Absolutely. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, if you don't donate enough money, your coach will be uh, gone by uh, before the next season begins. So uh, quite a quite a 
a history already for this uh, this trophy. Um, so, Stepper, last year the Gophers won on the field. You talked a little bit about um, raising, I think you said, $7,300 between the two schools. Um, who, Which fan base gave more money last year? Uh, well, we were hosting the game, so it was only polite that the uh, Gophers definitely carried a lot of the water on that, but we're heading down to Lincoln this year, and we'll see how that balances out. Um, the Lincoln tailgate lots, we uh, the, t- the chair debuted in Lincoln, re-debuted last year in Lincoln um, the week before our game against them, so they were playing Northwestern at the time, and we were around all their tailgate lots down there, and people people recognized it a little bit, and we made, we made a little money down there, too. People were very excited, and they were excited to come up and see the game the following week, but our tailgate lots last year really, really showed up, and we had a lot of online donations, too, through Reddit, through um, Facebook, Twitter, anywhere people were hearing about it. So anybody that sees a chair account post anything, if you could share it and spread the word, we'd really appreciate it because while this isn't an official school-sponsored trophy, I think the fan base nature of it makes it a little more unique. Absolutely, and you should all be following uh, the chair trophy on Twitter. It's at chair trophy. Uh, on Twitter and then on Facebook, Stepper. I think you said, uh, well, what is the what is the where can we find it on Facebook? I think it's on it's it's at Broken Chair Trophy, but the full name is the account name. Gotcha. And we've uh, got an event actually set up that you can kind of look for while, while you're on Facebook and help us share that around. Uh, we're going to be at Stub and Herbs on October 18th, which is the Thursday before the the game against Nebraska in a couple weeks here. So that'll be the send off party. Um, we had a party there last year to debut it up here, and that went really well. Um, we'll have a silent auction there as well, so there's going to be maybe some tickets. I know um, the folks that that brought mini beer pong games to the to the tailgate lore, um, they've created a, a mini beanbags game for us that's going to have some custom gopher artwork on it that we'll be auctioning off there as well. Um, and then, so Stub and Herbs has been very kind to us the last couple of years. Um, speaking of where the trophy went after the game last year, we were... It was being held up, hoisted over shoulders at Stub and Herbs following the game last year, and people were very excited about that. So that was a fun experience to be in the, in the tent party at Stub and Herbs, rocking out after that game. Awesome! Um, but we'll be there again October eighteenth. Uh, so anybody, come on out, have a beer, uh, donate to a good cause, and uh, this might be your last chance to see it if we can't get the job done in Lincoln. So that's right, and and I understand. Uh, so October eighteenth at Stub and Herbs. But the chair will be making uh, its rounds this Saturday in the tailgate lots before the Gophers take on Iowa, correct? That is correct. We'll be starting at the uh, the, the River Flats parking lounge down there. Uh, there's a lot of good tailgates down there in the grassy knoll by the boathouse. And so we'll be down there kind of earlier in the morning, and then we'll make our way up around the stadium. So look for us. Look for the, the chair and the donation box and get your photos in and... Um, It'll be it'll be good. Hopefully, we can bring it back. Um, the Minnesota Children's Hospital, the Masonic Children's Hospital, was kind enough to host it all year in the off season in the Kyle Rudolph end zone. That's where our money uh, went to donate to that um, kind of kids lounge area um, where the families can all go to hang out um, while the kids are in treatment and stuff. Uh, so that's where our money went last year, and it uh, gets stored in the Gopher locker that's over there. You may have seen some of the players posing in front of it throughout the off season. So hopefully, we can keep it there this year but all the money that we raise at the tailgate lots at stub and herbs down in nebraska online donations um that's where all of that goes awesome so we talked about twitter uh at chair trophy 
on Facebook. It's facebook.com backslash Broken Chair Trophy. And uh, where is the uh, fundraising link? Give us the GoFundMe link. Oh, sure, yeah. So GoFundMe.com, and then we've got, after the slash, it's Broken-Chair-Trophy-2018. Since we closed the, the the donations last year, we had to create a new one for this year. So, Got it. Uh, if you just if you start looking for a broken chair trophy on there, you'll find it. But it has the 2018 in the link this year, and you'll see our ten thousand dollar goal. So, if everybody can help us move the needle a little bit, that would be much appreciated. Absolutely. So, everybody, go to the GoFundMe account right now. Uh, again, it's uh, GoFundMe.com backslash broken slash uh, uh, dash chair yeah, dash trophy. Dashes. Dash 2018. Um, go ahead and uh, get over there. Uh, donate to uh, a couple of very worthy causes and uh, certainly help uh, Gopher fans uh, retake this chair. Well, Stepper, certainly uh, appreciate you joining us. Uh, we want to um, make sure that we're supporting uh, this definitely uh, fan-grown uh, trophy, and uh, we, we definitely wish you luck and keep us posted on how things go. Thank you very much, JD. We appreciate it. We're all about serving and giving up here. So let's let's get this Fleck versus Frost era what an off, elite. off to a big start. Absolutely. What an elite way to send us out. You're listening <laughs> to Taking All Wrong. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Top Pod, taking all wrong. Uh, wanted to uh, start talking a little bit about the Iowa game coming up this week. Uh, and also want to remind you that taking all wrong and all of the podcasts on the Armchair All-Americans Network are brought to you by MyBookie. You can go to mybookie.ag um, and they will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to $1,000. And if you happen to make that first deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time any evening and use the promo code WRONG25, they'll give you an additional $25. So you could literally go out, make your first $1,000 deposit at mybookie.ag, and they are going to give you $1,025 to do with as you please it's a very generous offer and if any of you utilize it please let me know because i just want to shake the hand of somebody that is depositing a thousand dollars into an online betting account uh your life is much more dangerous than mine um speaking of gambling speaking of my bookie uh jeffrick we have an iowa game gophers hosting the Iowa Hawkeyes to fight for the Floyd of Rosedale trophy. And we saw an interesting thing with the spread this week um, already. Spread opened up on Monday with Iowa as a a three-point favorite. Again, Iowa at Minnesota, a three-point favorite. The line very quickly, I believe maybe even within the first 12 hours, for sure within the first day, moved to five five and a half and now the uh, Vegas consensus has it at a minus seven so uh, Iowa now a full touchdown favorite um, based on what Vegas has to say Uh, what are your thoughts on that Jeff that is outrageous Uh, Ah. it's hard it's hard to argue with it at this point and 
Look, the, the way Iowa has played so far this year and played Wisconsin pretty tough and the way the Gophers look, that's the thing, right, is I think everybody's thinking how Minnesota looked against Maryland and saying, oh, my God, uh, how are we going to score? That the seven feels about right. I, I, Boy, we'll, we'll talk about this. I, I'd love Minnesota to get a chance in this one. It's at home, which helps huge. Um, thank God we're not a Kinnick this year with the way that the two teams are. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess I can't – I'd say I'm probably more surprised that it started at three than that it's gone up to seven. What uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I guess I'm not a great gambling mind or anything like that. But I, I think uh, – I figured seven was probably where it would start. Um, you know, Iowa – hasn't uh, exactly lit the the world on fire at the same time um, their defense is very good um, and the gopher offense looked very bad against Maryland so um, you know I figured probably seven points was uh, where we'd see it um, you know where it started and how it moved is uh, is obviously the interesting part of that um, we'll talk a little bit about the depth chart which came out today and um, you know, really no surprises. I think the only change we really see is um, in the uh, defensive backfield instead of Antoine Winfield Jr., who um, obviously is now out for the season with a foot injury. We do now have uh, true freshman uh, Jordan Howden out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, I made the joke on Twitter today. Uh, P.J. Fleck had said in his press conference that they aren't asking these guys to be anybody but themselves, just go out and be yourself and play the game. And I said, uh, except for Jordan Howden, please come out and be Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, but obviously uh, a freshman starting in that position did not look good against Maryland, but now um, has the advantage of uh, having a couple of weeks of practice with the ones under his belt. And we saw um, what that did for the running backs earlier in the year after um, Rodney Smith was injured. Um, other than that, Jeff, uh, pretty run-of-the-mill, pretty much uh, what we've expected to see so far this year. Yeah, no other changes. We had talked a bit uh, off the air. I guess I had wondered aloud if this would maybe be the week. You know, would, would the coaches want to put in one of the true freshmen on the offensive line, specifically, you know, Daniel Falele? Was it time for the big fella to get some looks that, you know, Sam Schluter had struggled a little bit, especially in that Maryland game so far? Um, and, and obviously the, the big Australian and Falele, you know, six nine, four hundred pounds, just an incredible athlete and specimen. Do you throw him in there and just let him learn from his mistakes? But uh, I believe Fleck had said in the press conference today that the plan is still to um, redshirt him, if at all possible. Yeah, true. He's, he said um, that uh, Falele would uh, be getting uh, just a couple more games this season um, to uh, to stay within the red shirt. I think he also mentioned um, Curtis Dunlap in that yeah. uh, in that conversation. So um, those two guys uh, expected, or at least the plan is, to just play in three more games this year, maintain their red shirts, and then um, have their full eligibility coming out next year. What's interesting that we don't know is what's the plan for those three games. You know, you might say. Uh, we need some help right now. We're going to throw these guys in and see what they give us as far as depth. Um, and maybe then the plan changes, right? Uh, maybe they perform so well that you end up utilizing them. Or, 
you hold them out for later in the season when you play at Wisconsin, when you play, uh, you know, the teams that uh, that tend to be a little tougher on offensive lines. Um, I, I don't know what the answer to that. Obviously, uh, the coaching staff isn't telling us that, but this new redshirt rule certainly makes uh, makes watching that very interesting. We know that uh, those two guys uh, did play against New Mexico State. If your plan is to maintain their redshirt, uh, that move to play them in the very first game of the year is uh, maybe a curious one. Um, but at the same time, like I said, there's nothing that says that you have to declare that a kid is only going to play four games. That plan can right. change at any time, and uh, injuries could do that or or, or, um, or just need um, at some point could could certainly change that. Um, well, and if, if, I, if I may, I think may. it's – obviously, we're not at practice. We're not seeing these guys every day, how they're doing in drills, you know, how are they doing in the in the film room. Are they getting I mean, what they're doing? But offensive line, um, I know despite some pretty good ratings, I, thought, I think Gobi retweeted today something from Pro Football Focus that the Gophers still had ranked out as like the fourth best offensive line through the first four games of the season. Right. which must be heavily um, weighted for the first three games, considering how they did against Maryland. But It was the hardest it, I laughed all day, just so you I know. couldn't believe I'm like, what are we grading by here, really? Um, but the Gophers, I think we know, have some talent. Uh, MV was on a couple of weeks ago talking on how um, th- there's, some good, there's some good prospects here and some good guys that we've got in the line between Danelle Green and Olsen and Jared Weiler's graded out very well and Andrews, everybody likes his potential and is going to get it. You just have to wonder, though, like, I understand wanting to keep the red shirt on offensive linemen, and normally, you know, 95% of your circumstances, you do not want to play a a true freshman, you know, on the offensive line, especially in the Big Ten, especially Iowa and Ohio State in the next couple weeks with those defensive lines and front sevens, we'll see. But I really do wonder, you know, if if Falele is, you know, at the same spot Schluter is now and has a much higher upside... Like you said, would it hurt to put him in in one, you know, in this game or one of the next two and see what you've got? And if he's ready to excel, why not, right? Like, I, I part of me wonders, oh, we're, we're going to keep this on no matter what. But if he can help you, it's almost like, why are you throwing this season away when your offensive line, you really need that to work with all the youth at quarterback and receiver and running back? Um That it might be, you know, it's, it's a good opportunity to do it. He's also a kid who he's got pro potential right i mean that size that athleticism everything else he has i mean i'm the furthest thing from a draft expert but i'm i believe the vikings took a project second round kid out of pit in the second round to be a project tackle like tackles are still at a premium in the nfl and you know nfl teams are still looking for a guy to be a franchise anchor tackle Falele's got all the physical tools you would want. He's got everything there in the package. Like, there's no guarantee that he's even here four years to begin with. So it, and again, I'm I'm not the expert. I'm not the guy. But it's like, man, if he's ready to help you now, I'd worry less about the red shirt and more about you know where, whether he's ready to step in and compete. No, you're you're absolutely right. I think it was Shakira who said it best, which was hips don't lie. And uh, you can't coach hips. Uh, you can't coach hips like that. Uh, that's just a big guy, and uh, like you said, an NFL team uh, at any point might decide that uh, that they would take a chance on uh, being able to develop a guy like that. So uh, very interesting, very interesting. Definitely, uh, things could change at any point on that, but uh, but we we shall definitely see. Um, 
you know, you, you make a good point as far as uh, uh, is concerned. And, um, you know, certainly I think P.J. Fleck is one that's going to look at playing the long game. So yeah. I'm, uh, definitely is, is looking at that uh, with his linemen, but may also be beneficial to look at the long game with your quarterback. Um, and if he's going to get killed, it might be time to uh, make a change up front. So uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, keep an eye on that as the season um, continues. Uh, next thing we want to talk about, I guess, um, um, I uh, wanted to not talk about it, but uh, we should probably talk about our expectations uh, for this Gopher game coming up on Saturday. Uh, Gophers play Iowa at TCF Bank Stadium. It is a 2.30 kickoff. It is homecoming, um, and it is the Gophers as a seven-point underdog at home against the hated rivals from down south, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, Jeff, I I came into the season trying to keep expectations um, very minimal, knowing that this was a young team. Um, You know, one of the things that uh, our tailgate group tends to chat about uh, in the tailgate lots is um, fear level. What's your fear level for this game? Um, And during the first three games of the season, obviously being uh, non-conference games, um, I just continually said zero fear. I have zero fear that we're going to lose these games. And it wasn't necessarily because I wasn't uh, concerned about a loss uh, because uh, I certainly was concerned that Fresno State would be a loss. But um, I wasn't concerned uh, just in the sense that, like, I don't think it defines what this team is or um, or what this team, uh, the potential is. Uh, when it comes to this Iowa game, um, uh, my fear is how much it's going to hurt uh, to watch Iowa um, hold our offense to zero points. My expectation for this game is that the Gophers lose um, and don't score. Uh, maybe that's a, a coping mechanism. Uh, I'm not completely sure, but that is uh, that is my expectation. I don't think we're going to see a 55 to nothing game. Um, I don't think uh, Iowa's offense has, has really given us any reason to think that they can put up those kind of points. I hope I don't regret saying that um, on a recorded podcast, um, but I think it's entirely possible that we're looking at a uh, you know a three three and a half touchdown game uh, that the that the uh, Iowa Hawkeyes win without the go for scoring what uh what are your expectations coming into this one i I will say i'm glad the game's not at kinnick i think if this were at kinnick this year we might not even have done the podcast this week i think at home i think at home there is some hope here um look last year uh minnesota you know also didn't look great leading into that iowa game and then actually played them pretty well defensively especially they played them really well i believe the stat was 125 rush yards at 3.8 per carry that's all that i that they allowed iowa for to run um held them to 17 points like the defense did their job last year and that was also without um antoine winfield jr who they're obviously without now uh they've had two weeks to figure this out there's still a lot of juniors and seniors on that defense um, as we joked on the pod last week, like you could turn on Iowa tape from 94 to 2004 or last week and the offense looks exactly the same. Like, you know what they're doing, you know where they're going. Um, there's not going to be a, a ton of this crazy misdirection like we saw with Maryland. So it, the defense has a chance to get it in it, but my God, we need, we need some plays early. We need a score early. We need something. Um, I know we, we don't always have the greatest home field advantage, but I definitely think it can be in a game like this. It'll be packed. 
Um, it's especially if it's going to be, let's hope 60, 40 or more gopher fans that we're not just flooded with, uh, all those, uh, wonderful Iowa fans to, to kind of tilt that favor. But, um, yeah, so defensively, I actually think the gophers can hang a little bit and maybe I'm crazy for saying that, but I just, it, from, if you look at last season or where they've done against a more traditional offense like this, um, they've done all right but yeah scoring is going to be the question is Anikstad healthy how healthy is he can our wide receivers block a tunnel screen like at all are they going to try and block this week um they've had a couple weeks to figure that out it's tough when your quarterback can't move or can't run and then you know you try to spread the ball out or go with other things and you can't even run simple screens to move it so um the ghosts have had a couple weeks to do this let's see uh annex said hasn't showed much fear and he's played if there's anybody who's up to the task to pull the upset um i think it's him um so look maybe there's a chance here i, I mean if you're forcing me to pick i think uh, iowa plus seven sounds about right like it was last year um but let's hope we're wrong and it's a close game throughout and as i said it got it minnesota can get a turnover early a special teams touchdown a big play something to get that crowd in and riled up I think that can make a big difference from it and give the offense hopefully a boost. That's a great point. I mean, the Gophers need something to get a little bit momentum of momentum early in this game. If it becomes a slog, um, which you know we kind of saw against Maryland, the Gophers just got down and just never found a way to get back in it. Part of that's youth, right? Those guys uh, don't have the experience to to ha- to mount that kind of comeback and. Um, you certainly don't want to see that in a rivalry game at home. Um, as far as Iowa um, defense is concerned, top five in scoring defense, top five in rushing defense, top five in total defense. Um, if there's any weakness thus far, they are ranked a paltry 27th in passing defense. So how dare um, they? I know if uh, if if the Gophers are going to win this game. They're probably going to have to do it on the uh, on the arm of Zach Anikstead. And interesting, I, I can't think since the Maryland game. I don't think I've heard anything about Anikstead's ankle. Yeah, um, no. So I we don't know from a mobility standpoint um, what he's going to look like or what he's capable of. I would assume that he's been um, through all kinds of treatment over the last couple of weeks, but. Um, certainly, if the Gophers have any chance of winning this game, um, it would appear that we'll need a big game from him and the wide receivers, and uh, certainly that means that the offensive line has to uh, protect as well. We we need Tyler Johnson this week. We really need him. Um, Maryland shut him down. You know, they held him to, what, one catch, uh, which he got later. Like, he total non-factor. That cannot happen for Minnesota to have a chance, whether it's better effort or routes from him it's definitely schemes too to try and do more things maybe we're moving him around to different spots to try and get him open but uh he, you know that that's been the preferred target for zach and rightfully so for those first three games they gotta have uh tyler johnson going to have a chance I agree from a possession standpoint they're definitely going to need him but you know that um i was going to key on him some way shape or form so um certainly the the youngsters are going to have to um going to have to step up as well. Jeffrick, I gave uh, basically my prediction, which is uh, me just getting punched in the gut and just uh, mostly being concerned about um, how bad it's going to hurt to watch this game this week. Yep. Um, I, I, I am uh, predicting that um, Iowa covers. I'm predicting that the Gophers lose. 
Um, and again, I'm I'm thinking we lose by uh, three, three and a half touchdowns. If we score, I'll be very happy. If something miraculous happens and we actually figure out a way to move the ball on Iowa um, and make the game interesting and uh, have something fun to watch on the field, um, I- I'll maybe take the moral victory. But uh, I-, I don't see a way that the Gophers win this game. Do you want to venture a, uh, a prediction? I, as we've discussed, I think a lot has to go right for Minnesota. I think we need to uh, clearly a better effort than the Maryland game, right? But, I mean, they need to clean up so much to go right um, for an Iowa team that's not going to make many mistakes and has that great defense. Uh, Minnesota defensively, I think, can hang. But, boy, the offense, Zach's going to need time. He's going to need to throw. Um, and some freshman running backs are going to get there. It's at home. Crazy things can happen. We've seen some big upsets when we least expected it on the home field over Iowa in the past couple of years. But asking me to predict it, I also I think Iowa covers, but a closer game. I think right around seven, probably similar to what we saw last year, like a twenty to thirteen or a seventeen ten or somewhere around there for that. But uh, boy, as you said, I hope we're both wrong and, and we end up being very surprised and very happy. Well, I love your optimism. Uh, I just I just don't have it this week. Um, so, so I love your optimism heading into this game. Uh, well, I think that's going to do it for us coming off the bye week. Um, you know, definitely excited to get back into go for football. A uh, lot of, a uh, lot of concern about the game coming up against Iowa, a very good defense, but, uh, we are hopeful that a young gopher team, uh, can start to figure things out and, and certainly show up, um, more, uh, than they did at Maryland a couple of weeks ago so you can find the gophers um saturday 230 tcf bank stadium versus iowa fighting for that for later rosedale we'd love to keep the bacon home this time um again don't forget to check out mybookie.ag. use the promo code wrong 25 to get your bonus uh and uh again we appreciate everybody listening uh thank you so much for following along and uh tweeting us Please share the show with your friends and uh, retweet the show. And, uh, again, we just appreciate you following along. Uh, So excited, looking forward to the Gophers this week. Jeffrey, take us out. Stay classy. Go Gophers. For the boat, Sky Mountain.